Side note, they changed something in Swedish Fish because those things are good now. <laughs> like, I had Swedish Fish like a year ago, and I was like, they changed their formula. They did, they did the right thing. Good job, guys. Yeah, those are our candy questions for today. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do a real quick recap of the story. I'm going to go ahead and give you a quick lesson plan, and then we're going to transition to Mike having a little bit more of a more in-deep word for uh, the adult audience. So here we go. Um, there's this dude named Moses. God goes, Moses, get my people out of this place. And he goes, yes, sir. Right. And so he goes and he says, give me my people. God wants his people back. And Pharaoh goes, uh-uh, not today. I like free labor. <laughs> and, uh, we talked about last week the plagues, and the plagues happened, and uh, Pharaoh realizes, I messed up. Okay, take them. They're leaving. Hallelujah, hooray, we get to go. But wait, Pharaoh decides he wants his people back. He wants his free labor back. So he goes after them. He goes after them, and so the Israelites are like, oh, my goodness, we got to get out of here. And so they're going through the Red Sea. And at the last minute, they finish going through the Red Sea, and it closes back up, and they are safe. And our bottom line, which we'll put up in just a second, is this. This is our bottom line. It is to hold on because God is in control. God is still in control. Hold on because God is still in control. And this is something really important to remember because um, how much uncertainty did the Israelites have in that moment, right? Like they're walking towards water, deep water. There's, they don't know what God's going to do, but Moses, who was the leader of them, had seen God previously, right? Moses had an encounter with God at the burning bush, and when he turned his, his staff into a snake, and these things that Moses could go back on and say, hey, I know I'm in uncertainty right now, and I know I'm leading people in uncertainty, or in uncertainty, but I can recount the times that God has been there in my life, and that is one of the things that is super important that, that we can think about when we're in uncertain times, is that we can go back and see where God has been moving in our lives and moving in other people's lives, right? Because the Israelites followed Moses, right? God was moving in Moses' life at that time. So that is our bottom line. Hold on because God is still in control. Awesome. Um, I want to pick up right off of that. Yes, thank you, Seth. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be kind of going back and forth today, but um, I, I want to pick up off on that theme, that idea, and I want to read to you a little bit out of Exodus chapter 14, where you see this uh, thing go down. Um, they're sitting there uh, on their way out, just getting delivered out of slavery, but not quite in the promised land or anything like that. And Moses is talking to the people, and, he, and God's going to be talking to him as well, and they're in an uncertain situation. And it says, but Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Now, I love that phrase, just stand still. I also hate that phrase because I'm a doer. I'm like, if there's a problem, God, you better fix it. Standing still is not an option here. And yet this is the direction that God's giving them, stand still. It says, the Egyptians you see today will never be seen 
again, which again is just contrary to what they are seeing around them right there, standing still, and these Egyptians, I mean, this is not some small group of, of, of warriors, this is the strongest empire on earth, and this is what they're up against. It says, the Lord himself, the Lord himself will fight for you. Some of you today, you need to highlight that verse and just keep that with you. The Lord himself will fight for you today. Just stay calm. Again, right, yeah, right. Uh, our life's on the line here. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. Isn't that just like God? Stay still. Now get moving. <laughs> like, what am I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. But now he's saying, hey, let's go. Let's go. Pick up your staff. Raise your hand over the sea. Divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of Egyptians, and they will charge in after the Israelites. May great, my great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots, and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and, now, and know that I am God. So whatever situation you're facing, God's already knowing what is taking place, what's going to happen. And he is in it for his glory. He's going to do something through you for his glory. Look at me, because I, I just a little bit of back and forth. Kids, you can say, say this too. Repeat it after me. Say, I have what it takes to be used by God. I have what it takes to be used by God. Yes, yes, yes. You have what it takes. Now, now we may not believe that about ourselves. But every single one of you, you have what it takes to be used by God. Jesus specializes in using people who don't, who don't quite measure up, who don't fit the bill, who maybe have, have failed, who don't seem like they might be the one. As they're facing this, this uncertain situation, um, Moses, as Seth said, Moses can look back. And I want to I look back. Where did this start with Moses. One of, one of the places, his calling, was when he found that burning bush. He was out wandering and, and, and totally away and, and through a burning bush, has this conversation with God, and God says, you're going to be the one to go deliver Israel. And Moses is like, what, who, me? No, you've got the wrong person. I've got a stuttering speech problem. I'm not the leader. I can't. And him and God have this back and forth. As, as they have this back and forth, finally, Moses is saying, I can't do it, but okay, maybe I'll go give this thing a shot, but who do I tell the Israelites who sent me? Like, who are you? And in Exodus chapter 3, God replies to Moses and says, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. He's like, I am everything you need in every situation. If you can name it, I'm above it. I am. So if you can name your situation as to why you think you're not enough, as to why you think God can't use me, no way I could do that. Doesn't he know what I've done? I, what I thought last night, what I did this last week. Obviously, God, I'm not God's first chosen person. Like We all have the list of things. If you can name it, he's the name above it. 
that might be the exact reason that he wants to use you so he can get the glory to say, hey, it wasn't me. It was God working through me this whole time. Some of those things are a setup. You have a name that's greater. You have a savior, Jesus, that is greater. You have a grace that is greater than any sin in your life. This is the good news that we preach about Jesus. And this is why we follow him. Now, he says, all right, tell the people that I am has sent you. And then to Moses' reply, watch this. He says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? I mean, dude, you're speaking to a burning bush. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a valid question. What if, God, they don't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? And we're the same way. God has, has called you to go and do something, to go and be something, to say, this is who I created you to be, and we can what if ourselves out of accomplishing nothing for the kingdom. What if? What if I lose my job? What if they don't like this? What if they say this and reject me? What if my friend walks away? What if they laugh at me? What if, what if, what if, and we can what if our way into... Come on, somebody. Like we, we, we get so scared about the what ifs in lives. We will overcomplicate how. <laughs> okay, you told me to do this, but how, God? How? Tell me how. And he ain't giving you the how. He just told you to go and said, I'm with you. We love to overcomplicate these situations. This is why this is a great measure of faith. What if they don't believe me? Watch what God responds. What is that in your hand? What if to what is? What if to what is? What's in your hand? I can't be used by God. I don't have this. I'm not some super smart Bible guy and having all the knowledge or I don't have the influence. What if? And God just says, what if we just use what's in your hand? How much time you got? What's in your hand? I don't have much money. Well, how about we just use what's in, what's in your hand? I can, I can take whatever is in your hand, whatever little amount you think it is, you put that into God's hands, and he can do immeasurably more. He says, hey, what's in your hand? And Moses says, a staff. Yeah, let's use that. Let's use that. Now, flash forward, flash forward back to Exodus. He says, hey, stay calm. I'm going to fight for you. I got this, all right? Then he says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving and look at this in verse 16. In verse 16, it says, pick up your what? What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Because that's what God wants to use. Whatever you think is not enough, you have it in your hand. Whatever, you have everything you need already. God's with you. He's just saying, would you just release what's in your hand? Can I just use that? Let's move from what if to what is. What if we started using whatever is in your hand? Got a video that I want to show you, and I'll set it up like this. Seth's dad, Doug Evans, you're going to hear a little bit of his testimony. And the situation, the diagnosis that he had to deal with 
in his life. And he went from the what ifs and all the worries and the uncertainties to living in the what is and how God was able to use that. So let's go ahead and roll with roll with our video as long as we got good technology. We'll have well, in 2005. Well, in 2005, I, uh, I had a little something going on here where I had to go get some antibiotics. You know, you get a cold, you get a little bit of a swelling and lymph node. And um, well, as uh, it turns out, through uh, uh, going in and having that, uh, it was misdiagnosed at first as a different type of a cyst. And I went in and had it looked at and uh, had it removed, had surgery. And then went in for the follow-up and the doctor let me know that it was uh, squamous cell carcinoma. So uh, that was a big shocker. I was 38 years old and, you know, been pretty healthy. Had not really done anything, drinking, smoking, just pretty healthy. And uh, I was a big surprise. No history in the family. Uh, my brothers and sisters, their parents, and um, of that particular cancer at least. And uh, so it was a big shock. So I had a, kind of a game changer there in my life. So uh, I went home and uh, gathered the family together and um, we had a, a family talk and it, it, you know just uh, it was it's hard to do that but we just had to, to move forward and and it was important for me to set some parameters how I was going to walk through this and the most important thing to me was to have honor uh, give glory to God and just trust the Lord um, through that process which is easier said than done for sure so the gist of it is, um, uh, I, I found um, uh, through friends and help, um, the best place for me was to go to MD Anderson in Houston. And uh, I went down there and stayed for six weeks, did radiation, and grew closer to the Lord. The Lord actually blessed me through that whole experience. It was very painful. I lost a lot of weight. Um, would not want to do it again. <laughs> But I'm on the other side. And that's kind of the inspiration of why I wanted to share this. And even more so is in the middle of that, going walking through that six weeks, sounds like a short time. It was longer than six weeks. The recovery was months on top of that and years of follow-ups. But through the process, I had to uh, go into the radiation center and, and down into the basement, basically. And uh, they had all these uh, radiation machines. They had technicians there. And I had to sit on a table, lie on a table, and have a, a mask put over me. It fit um, from my head all the way down to my chest, and it covered me very tightly. Uh, I was basically clamped to the table. If you needed to get up, you had to wiggle your toes, and they would come and get you up. And Very still as they did the radiation very precisely in the areas they needed to, to uh, kill the cancer. So um, it was awful. It was just lay still like that, and to um, almost feel like you're being held down and so I, I uh, the first few times I was hyper aware of everything going on around me and I just continued to struggle with that just being there and held down and being still and the radiation what was doing to me was you know hurting you to help you so I ended up uh, just praying I started with my pastor at the time and just started going through all the list of everybody I um could think of that I could pray for. And as I began to pray for people and laying on that table, um, it got to where the, the slow tick of the seconds for the I don't know, 17 minutes they had to do that. Um, 
it, it just would fly by and it would come in, Mr. Evans, you're done. And I'd be like, oh, wow, that went by fast. And because I was really focusing on others and focusing on God. And, and the, another side interesting thing that came out of that, it's kind of the point of this message is by just focusing on God and going through that process, I, um, um, my wife was there with me and Heather and she, uh, she would talk to the technicians while behind the scenes and they would be monitoring me in another room. And um, one of them said, uh, we do thousands and thousands of patients a year. And um, we see a lot of people and people struggle with this. It's very hard to do. But your husband does, he just, he's so peaceful. He goes in there and he doesn't move and he's not stressed out it's it's just very remarkable and my wife was able to witness to them and say well you know he's praying um that's where he finds his peace and um that was a powerful witness because i wasn't doing it to witness i was just doing it kind of for myself selfishly <laughs> just to uh draw closer to god but in doing that God was using that situation to uh, really minister to others in ways beyond my, you know, he was, I was being used as a vessel to uh, do other things. And that was encouraging. And um, if you watch for those things, I think that we're going to, you'll see more of where God is doing that, using you when you don't even know it in a situation where you don't know he could possibly do anything and he's doing amazing things. Had a lot of family support along the way of that event. Um, people that had been through situations like that that encouraged me. So, you know, not, you know, the Bible says don't forsake the fellowship um, and being around others as your family, your church family, um, can help a lot through those situations. I hope that encouraged you. I'm Doug Evans, just wanted to give you a few words. Hope you have a blessed day. Bye. So often in life, we read this thing about Exodus and the Red Sea, and it seems it's amazing miracle, one of the biggest ones in the Bible, and it seems so amazing. But this is the more practical side of God being with you and in your life. You are given a, a circumstance. You are put it in your hand. You didn't ask for it, but there it is. What are you going to do with what is in your hand? Uh, can anyone, you can barely see these, but any kids, can you s maybe identify what this is in my hands? I got one in each hand. Any idea of what this is? Can you see it? You can just shout it out. What do you think it is? It's not candy. I know. That would be awesome if it was. It's, it looks like a rock. Jeremiah, what do you think? What? Peas? It's close. It's a little tiny seed. These are little tiny seeds. Want to guess at what type of, of uh, plant this would grow? Mustard. Huh? Mustard, Mustard seed? I, if I had some, I was going to bring it. You know where I'm going, though. I like this. Good job. Good training over there. Sunflower seeds? Nope. It's an apricot tree. Anybody got an apricot tree in your house? All right, at your house, got a couple of them. If you have one, if you've had one, you're, you're eating apricots a lot. You're giving apricots away or you're like trying to th throw them all away because they're, they're messing up your yard or something like that. There's so many and all of that, what? From a seed that looks nothing like an apricot tree. And my mustard seed friend over here, you know where I'm going. Jesus told a parable. He said, hey, 
if you just had the smallest amount of faith. It doesn't take much. Remember, we're talking about what's in your hand. I don't have much. Well, what's in your hand? Let's start with that. He said, if you just had a mustard seed of genuine faith placed into God's hand, would you not see that it's one of the greatest of trees that, that provides shade and a place of rest for so many things, that provides apricots for everybody in town? There's so much stuff just from one. If one of these would hit the growth, what's at stake? Not just your faith. Not just what happens in this, in this circumstance that you're facing and the step of faith that you take. But while we're here for a family worship gathering, Freedom Church, what is at stake? Your next step of faith is the next generation. The next generation needs to see you taking your step of faith. Even when it's uncertain, even when it's hard, even when the Egyptians are right on your back and you got a sea in front of you and it looks like a doomsday scenario, can you still hold on because you have faith that God is in control? Even when it looks like it's outside of control. The next generation, they need you to walk through on dry ground and so show them the way. We know the end of the story. This, they walked through that Red Sea. They got to the next river and they're like, uh-uh, we ain't going in there. But then the next generation had to. I want us to be a generation that it's not just about us. I don't want Freedom Church to just be a good 15-year run and we're done. No, we're going to invest in the next generation. That means we're going we're gonna to financially back them, we're going to give up our time, and we're going to give whatever is in our hand to say, no, it's not just about me. God's going to use us to reach the next generation as well. i got one more story, and then I'll close, because I know we're ready to go. The little boy feeding 5,000 families, not just 5,000 people, 5,000 families, and they don't have the food. Who ends up Helping them out. Uh, do you know? Do you know? You want to say it? Go ahead. You can shout it out. Who helps them out? God does help them out, yes. But a little boy, how much did he have? Yes, two loaves of bread, five fish. Not enough. But what's in your hand? God, what's in my hand is not enough. He's like, yes, <laughs> you're right. It's not enough. But if you give all that you have that's in your hand, it's all God needs to be more than enough. That's what's at stake. God wants to do something through you. Remove the what ifs. Hold on. He's in control. Let's pray. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this one rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.